listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. All right, let's get into this today. We're going to uh, start in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read you a, a Bible prophecy from the Apostle Paul, and, uh, and we're going to break his prophecy down, and then we're going to go through uh, what these say one by one, 19 end-time personalities that you must avoid at all costs. And Paul the Apostle was serious about this. Second uh, Timothy chapter three, let's read a few verses, five verses to be exact, and break this prophecy down and, uh, and define what it looks like in our culture and our life right now. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it as we go. Uh, if you'd like to put these in, put them in the comments, help people that are logging on later. But let's read Second Timothy three, I'm starting in verse one. Listen to this now. Paul wrote, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Stop there. So let me, let me define something to you because people always wonder what are the last days? What are the last days? Well, the last days began at the day of Pentecost. The last days began at the day of Pentecost. They didn't just start like a few years ago. We're not just stepping into the last days now. The last days started at the day of Pentecost. Well, how do we know that? From Bible prophecy. Uh, The apostle Peter jumped up on the day of Pentecost as the believers were being filled with the Holy Ghost. And there were thousands listening to them, some mocking them. And what did he do? He began to quote the prophet Joel. And what did he say? He said, this, what's happening, is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Okay? And then he describes it and starts to quote Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so Joel was prophesying of the Holy Spirit who was to come in the last days. Peter gets up and says, this is that. And so essentially what Peter's saying is, we've just jumped into the last days. We've just jumped into the last days because the Holy Spirit, which would be the sign that we're in the last days, the Holy Spirit has come upon your sons and daughters, all people. And then of course you can understand that uh, shortly thereafter, the Gentiles received it in Cornelius's house in Acts chapter 10. And it was the last days beginning at the early church. And so first thing I want you to put it in the comments, uh, everybody that's jumping on today, we are in the last days. I want you to put that, it's, they're not coming. We're not just starting to enter into them. We've been in the last days for 2000 plus years. And maybe about 2,000 years or just under 2,000 years. So we, we've been, you know, if, we, if you're looking at that in the, the, the early church, you know, let's say 
30, 40 AD, somewhere around there, in between that, that distance. We're coming up on 2,000 years of the last days. We've been in it. We're not getting into it. We've, Peter said, we're in it. We're in it. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so we're in the last days. They're not coming. <laughs> I know people talk about it like, I think we're getting ready to step into the last days. We've been in them. We've been in them. And so now what Paul's prophesying to Timothy, and by the way, this is the last letter Paul ever wrote before his execution in Rome. Paul says in this letter, I've run my race. I've finished my course. This is his last letter. And this is what he's telling Timothy to watch out for. It's important to know what people's last things were. What were his last words? What was his last letter? Well, this is what he's saying. And he's giving instructions for the church and he's giving warnings about the last days and how Timothy and all Christians should respond. Love you, Pastor Joe Spence. How Timothy and all Christians should respond uh, to the personalities that will be prevalent in the last days. So let's go to verse two. For people, so now we're going to get into the 19. Now we're going to get into the 19 things you've got to avoid at all costs. Number one, for people will be lovers of themselves. Stop there. People will be lovers of themselves. And so one of the first one that we need to cover is number one, lovers of themselves. People, I mean, look at all the things we've got going on in our society today. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, th this has not been a thing until, until what, the last 10 years? Selfies. Selfies. A se selfies have not been a thing throughout history. There's something that have recently <laughs> developed. And now what do we have with selfies? We have all of these filters and apps that make us look even better. And we look at that, we won't even post it out until we look so good. And um, you go on to look at all these things that are, that are available. We have now reconstructive plastic surgery. So if you don't like the way your nose looks, you can make your nose look the way you like it to look. You, your cheekbones. We've got people that are paying money to do lip fillers and, and all these other things. Why? They love themselves. They love the way they look. Uh, they want to look in the mirror and just be able to present themselves to everybody. You know, it's like peacocks, man, lifting that tail up and, and just impressing everybody. You know, and, and truly, we've got people that are lovers of themselves. It, it's, it's a crazy thing because right now, you can see it around our culture, and this one's not a hard one to see, obviously, that this has really fully come to pass. People are purely lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. I've never seen so many people looking at themselves in, in their phone camera and then looking at themselves in mirrors. And I mean, it's, it's like never before. It's like nothing you've ever seen. You know, uh, it's like nothing you, you've ever seen. And you guys can plainly see it and you know it. You see it happening all around. Uh, and, 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 and the sad thing is, the further down the generations you go, the more it manifests. The more it manifests. And people are constantly... Uh, posting uh, pictures just of themselves. You know, it's, it's mind blowing when you go to somebody's social media account and the thing is just flooded with just pictures of themselves. I mean, like, I know that that's part of what social media is supposed to be, but like at the same time, I'm like, dude, 
when I come to somebody's Instagram and, and I look at their Instagram and it's just like a hundred images of them with duck lips, it's like, dude, and that's just the guys. What about the girls? It's like, dude, how many pictures can you post of yourself in, in duck lips? You know, it's like, but you know what makes me laugh now is, is that we've got people that will, they, they, they like need an excuse to do it. And so they will do it like as though they're encouraging you. So like, it'll be like an encouraging caption. It'll be like, just remember to always believe in yourself and just go after your dreams and do what makes you happy. But it's just you kissing the camera. It's just another <laughs> excuse to uh, post pictures of yourself. We have a generation that truly are lovers of themselves as Paul prophesied they would be. And it's a problem because um, <laughs> the problem is you begin to love yourself. You can idolize yourself. That, that's it. You, you must idolize yourself. That, that's, what, that's what it ends up being. You idolize yourself. And so you, you have to be careful. You can't fall into that trap. And if you see people that are constantly in love with themselves, get ready, it's gonna cause problems. It's gonna cause drama. All these things you'll, you'll see as we go through them, they begin to work together. They begin to piggyback together. And so the first one is uh, lovers of self. Second one, what did Paul say in the last days? They'll not just be lovers of themselves, they'll be lovers of money. So number two, lovers of money. Lovers of money, we see that. I mean, you know how we can, we can judge that in America? Look at all of the people who love things. They love money and they love things. And they so love them that they're willing to go into deep debt to get them. Gotta have the newest shoes. Gotta have the newest phone. Gotta have the newest car. Gotta have, and, and they love things. You know, things is included by the way. It's not just cash. It's not just having cash on hand. <laughs> Christian has 15 mirrors in his room. <laughs> It's not just about having cash on hand. It's about the love of things. You love cars, you love watches, you love jewelry, you love, you know, and, you, and when you begin to love those things, the Bible says that the love of money, not money itself, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils, all kinds of evils. And so lovers of money, we see that today, lovers of things, lovers of money. And there's people that are, you know how, how much they, they're in love with that? Think about this. That there are people, now think about Christians, that are willing, they want to work all the extra hours, they want the overtime, they want the bonuses, they'll work so much that they're willing to just work on Sunday and not honor God on his day, of course, every day is his day, but we, we do have a day that we uh, meet together, the Lord's day, the Bible calls it the Lord's day. It's not Saturday, we're not talking about the Sabbath. Uh, we're talking about Sunday, it has nothing to do with a pagan holiday. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And so traditionally, it was the day that believers gathered to celebrate the resurrection of Christ and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there are people that will skip out on the Lord's day just to work more hours, to get more money, to have more things. And we've got people that they love money so much 
that some of them begin to do whatever is necessary to get more of it. And that love of money, get ready, it's the root of all kinds of evil. It destroys your life. It destroys your life. And so the second thing that Paul prophesied is in the last days, people would begin to love money inordinately. Love money. And you see that today. (laughs) You see that today. You know, combine these two things together, a love of self and a love of money. Do you know how sad this is? I've seen Christian conferences, okay? Let me give you something that'll make you laugh. I've seen Christian conferences where people want to be viewed as though they're, you know, really up there in the echelons of those that are successful and they want to look like they've got great things. And so, you know what you have seen people do? I've seen people come to a Christian conference and rent a Mercedes to come there or rent some kind of, (laughs) I mean, like, that's fine if that's what you want to do, but it's the motive behind it. It's the motive behind it. Um, and it blows my mind. I've seen people show up. <laughs> they actually have a car they could have drove over in, but they left their car at home and rented, you know, a Mercedes or a Cadillac or something else. Why did you do that? I mean, think about the motive behind that. If you've got a car you could have come over in, but you go rent something that's so much nicer, what, what is the thing you're trying to do? You're trying to put an image in front of people that you are... Uh, somebody that you're not. Now, if it's your car, that's another story. But you know what I mean? It's like, what's going on? People love things. They love things and they love themselves. So they want other people to view them in that same way. It's dangerous. So lovers of money, be careful with that. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Look at the third one. They'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Three, they'll be proud. They'll be proud. This plays right into it as well pride. Now there's going to be three that I'll deal with. Uh, and you know what, I'm going to deal with them one after the other so that, uh, you can understand them because sometimes if we look at these three, uh, we could, we could be in danger of thinking they're all the same thing, but they're not all the same thing. I'll break them down for you. Uh, number three is pride. What, what is that? And the, of course the Bible says pride goes before destruction. What is pride? Pride is this sense of uh, putting a lot of stock in things that you've accomplished or even taking credit for the things in your life as though you were the source of them. Which is why I said at the beginning, I truly understand. I'm not the source of any of my blessings. I'm not the source of any of my resources or provision. God's the source. He's the provider. He's the one who gives ability, efficiency, might, power. I just obey the word. We just obey the word. Pride is when you begin to take credit for the things that you've done, things that you have, who you are, whatever. You take the credit. You begin to take pride in in who you are. And see, that's a dangerous thing because it takes the focus off of God's power in your life and puts the focus on you. Oh yeah, I did that. I've actually heard people say that. Yeah. Everything I have, I don't take any handouts, anything I have, I've earned it. It's been me. It's been my, you know, they take, they take that seriously that they're the source of all of the good things in their life. You know, if I, I pulled myself up from my bootstraps, it's like that, that's how they live and that's how they feel. You probably know people like that. Pride 
goes before destruction. When you begin, you know, here's why. Because the Bible tells, and that was in the book of Proverbs, pride goes before destruction. But think about this. The Bible says that God resists the proud. He is actively resisting proud people, but he gives more grace to the humble. See that? God resists the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. So when you allow pride to enter in, you get to a place where God is actively resisting you. He's actively resisting you, but he gives more grace to the humble. More favor comes to the humble, the meek, those who put their trust in the Lord, not in themselves. Those who attribute to him the glory for everything that's happened, attribute to him the honor for all the good things in their life, not taking it themselves. So proud people, it, that you got to keep your distance. Now, Paul didn't just say, you know, watch out for these because you'll kind of, he said, uh, if you go to, down to verse five at the end, avoid such people. So well, that doesn't sound like walking in love. Oh, it's walking in love. Because did you ever think of this? And I want you to get it right here at this point in the broadcast. Did you ever think of it that we hear a lot of preaching and teaching about walking in love towards others? And that's what we hear all the time. But did you ever consider that the first person that we have to walk in love toward is God? Think about that. You've got to walk in love toward God before you walk in love toward people. Put that in the comments. Walk in love toward God before you walk in love toward people. So important. Walk in love toward God before you walk in love toward people. And just to give you some back on, backup on that, uh, I'll read you a scripture that we often read because here's where the power comes in. Here's where the power comes in. Listen to the words of Jesus from John 14, 21. Listen to this. Jesus said this, by the way, John 14, 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So notice this, Jesus is saying the only way that I know you love me is you obey my word. That's the only way I know. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then I will love him and my father will love him and I'll manifest myself to him. So notice this, that's us walking in love toward God is obeying his word. So think about it. What are the two commandments of the New Testament? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That doesn't come first. It's God that comes first. So notice that when we walk in pride, we're putting our love of self and our appreciation of self and our value of self over that of God. And then God resists the proud. He resists them. Why? Because they're not obeying his word. They're falling into pride. So favor and pride cannot exist on the same plane. Man, somebody ought to catch that today. Supernatural favor and pride cannot exist on the same plane. Huh. You start to realize that you're like, man, I better dump all pride out of my life 
to gain access to God's favor. And it's true. That is what we need to do. He gives more grace to who? The humble. To the humble. So pride is a very dangerous, dangerous thing. Um, I want to jump down because I would, I would like to, um, I would actually like to define these three things because sometimes people think they're all the same. They're not all the same. What are the three things? Pride, arrogance, and being conceited. Pride, arrogance, and conceit. So, so let's go on to this one because, and, and it is number four, it's arrogance. But what is the difference between pride and arrogance? Well, pride is taking the credit for the things you've done, but arrogance, it's an attitude of superiority that's manifested in an overbearing manner. You got to do it my way, my way or no, that's arrogance. You, you, you're overbearing in the way of I'm superior to you. So you need to do what I say. You need to take my, and that's what happens is that arrogance is manifested in that bullying, overpowering, overbearing way that everybody should do what you say and do it how you do it. That's arrogance to not even believe. And obviously pride and arrogance can work together. No question about that. Another word for arrogance, haughtiness. It's haughtiness. And what does the Bible say in Proverbs? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So they're two different things listed differently. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, an arrogant spirit before a fall. Pride takes credit for what it's done without giving the glory to God, but arrogance or uh, haughtiness it is an attitude of superiority. You've seen people walk around like this. You've seen people do this and they, they, they act like, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've actually watched this. I've talked to people that, now tell me if you've ever met anybody like this. This is irritating to me to no end that you talk to, to somebody about something, but they're just waiting for you to finish because they've got a, let's say, let's say for example, I talked about uh, some piece of gear or something like I'm interested in certain, so many different things. Let's say I found a piece of gear. Like, uh, I feel like, man, if I was just having a conversation, you know, this is like the best camera right now, like bang for the buck for the, for the average, whatever. I think I like this camera a lot. And then somebody will be like, they'll just wait for you to finish. So they can be like, actually, uh, the best camera like that. That's, that's arrogance. You know, that's arrogance. It's not about just, yeah, th- that's right. Robert's right on it. The one uppers. The one uppers that's straight up arrogance. Oh, if you think that's awesome, it's like that is straight up arrogance. My way's better. Everything. And it's a, uh, it's an attitude of superiority. You know, well, I did something even better than that. Let me tell you what it is. Oh, I know something even better than what you're talking about. Let me, and that's, that's exactly what it is. It's an attitude of superiority. Paul said, avoid them. Yeah. When you hear that, Mackenzie, so when you hear that, actually, I have no interest in talking to you. You know, if you're like, actually, you're like, all right, I'm out. I just realized who you are. I'm going to obey the words of the apostle Paul and see you later. So arrogance is different than pride in that pride takes credit for everything personally. Whereas arrogance is a superior attitude 
that literally is uh, bullied onto people. You, you know, you need to do it my way, whatever. But then let me jump down to uh, number 16 and I'll give it to you now because it goes along with these. And that is, uh, Paul said in the, um, let's see, which verse would it be? The fourth verse. He says, um, people in the last days will be swollen with conceit. They will be swollen with conceit. So what's the difference between pride, arrogance, and conceit? Pride takes credit for what it accomplishes, gives no glory to God, gives no credit to God, gives no honor or, or uh, um, yeah, that's, that's what it is. But number two, uh, arrogance is a attitude. It's an attitude of superiority that it tries to manifest on the people that it's dealing with. But conceit is an excessive appreciation or estimation of one's worth or virtue. Let me break that down. Conceit is an overestimation of your, of your worth or your virtues. Overestimate yourself. That's why the Bible, uh, did you know the Bible tells us, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. And so if you want to write it in the numbers, you can put, you can put that down, um, Number four was arrogance, but you can put number five as conceit so that we don't lose track. Number five, conceit, being conceited. You have an excessive appreciation of your own worth or your own virtue. And so you hold yourself higher than everybody else. You know, uh, (laughs) I was sitting with my grandfather one time and uh, we were at a camp meeting. This is like a perfect example, by the way, of, of being conceited. And, and it's like my grandfather had gotten, you know, he, he was older, you know, in his 80s. And you could tell, like, he didn't care, not that he ever cared, you know, to, to bridle anything. That He just said what he thought. Uh, but I was sitting with him in, uh, in the lobby of a church. And uh, we were at a conference and I'm watching all these people go by. And then here comes this preacher walking by. He, you know, he wasn't one of the preachers at the conference. He was just visiting. But he walks by, comes through in his three-piece suit, and he's strutting, man. He is strutting through the lobby of that church. I mean, you could feel it dripping off of him. Conceitedness. I mean, he was just straight up conceited. I was sitting next to my grandfather. I watched him. He just tracked that guy through the whole lobby. Just watched him. Never took his eyes off of him. Watched him strut through the crowd to be seen and all this stuff. Then he just turned to me and he said, my grandfather goes, I'd like to buy some people for what they're actually worth and sell them for what they think they're worth. (laughs) That's such a great quote because I know exactly what he meant. You'd make so much money because people have an over inflated view of their own worth or virtue. (laughs) I'd like to buy some people for what they're actually worth and sell them for what they think they're worth. Yeah. Why? Because they have got an over-exaggerated view of their own worth or value. If you're truly valuable, you don't have to tell people you're valuable. They'll know it from the fruit you produce. They'll know it. 
And that's what, that's what these three things are. If you ever thought, well, pride, arrogance, and conceitedness are the same thing, they're not the same thing. Again, pride takes credit for what, what it's accomplished or what it has. Arrogance is an attitude of superiority manifested in an overbearing manner. My way or the highway, one-uppers. And then conceitedness is just an overestimation of your own worth or your own virtue. And you've got to be very careful. Okay, number six, let's deal with this. What did Paul say next? They'd be proud, they would be arrogant, and then number six, they'd be abusive. Think about that. Love you, Robert. They'd be abusive. We're living in that day. I mean, you look at all, I mean, this is a sad one to cover, but abusiveness has skyrocketed. You've got child abuse, you've got domestic abuse, you've got verbal abuse, you've got sexual abuse, you've got all these different things that are happening today. Very sad that it's happening, but it's skyrocketing. You've got abusiveness. And then, then let's go further than that, which we'll deal with a little bit more in another one of these, but look at substance abuse. You don't just have physical abuse or verbal abuse, emotional abuse, you've got substance abuse. Yeah, mental abuse. All these things are happening. People are abusive more than they ever have been. Why? Well, the, the, the uh, sinful culture that's abounding in the, as the last days continue, that Jesus and that the Bible prophesied would continue until Christ returns. But where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. But, no, but notice this, it's just ramping up because Jesus prophesied that before he returned, the world would be like it was in the days of Noah and in the days of Lot. In the days of Noah, violent, abusive people. The Bible teaches that. Same thing, you go through and, and you'll, see those same, uh, you'll see those same things manifesting. Look at this, buddy saying, I just had a friend that I went to high school with this morning die of substance abuse. Very sorry to hear that. It's a terrible thing. And abuse and abusiveness is abounding in our culture. It's abounding. Look at human trafficking. Look at, I mean, all of these things that are going on, human trafficking, slavery, still happening, abusiveness. It's, it's abounding around the world. And Paul said, you'd see it. You'd see it happening in the last days. And you've got to avoid abusive people. And, and that, listen, that, that shouldn't have to be something that uh, you're told, I mean, although it is something people have to be told because it's very sad, but, uh, one of the greatest books you could probably read on this is a book by Dr. Henry cloud. It's called boundaries. It's called boundaries. If you've not read boundaries by Dr. Cloud, I would grab it because one of the things you have to realize is, uh, people will treat you the way you've taught them to treat you. And so like, if you are always talked down to, it's because people feel like they can talk down to you. If you're abused in, in multiple ways, if you're taken advantage of in multiple ways, it's because you've not drawn the boundary. You've not drawn the boundary. And you can create boundaries for your own life and for your own emotional well-being, your own spiritual well-being, your own physical well-being. It's like a, a, a woman that uh, continues to stay in the home and stay in a marriage where a man beats her physically. 
You can draw a boundary there. You know, I know it feels hard to get out. You can leave, you can leave and you can seek help. You can get, you know, and, and I know it's a, it's a scary thing, but what's, what's scarier is staying in that situation until, you know, he gets drunk enough or angry enough to beat you to death. You see what I mean? And so boundaries have to be put in place or else it's just constant abuse, constant abuse. Let me tell you something. I have no relationships, none with people who are abusive of any kind. If they, if they're abusive with, with their words, uh, if, if they're abusive, if they try to be abusive emotionally, if they try to be manipulative, if whatever it is, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't have a relationship with you. I don't want to have no desire. Paul told me to avoid such a one and I'm avoiding you. I'm avoiding you on purpose. People that'll abuse you financially. I've met those people. I no longer have any contact with them. None. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And so we avoid abusive people. One, two, three, four, five. That was number six. So number seven, who else? What what else did Paul say? Number seven, not just abusive, but also disobedient to their parents. Oh my goodness. Number seven, disobedient to their parents. (laughs) I've never seen that like I see it today. I've never seen it. I mean, like it is mind blowing to me. Mind-blowing to me when I see children acting the way that they're acting today. I've seen little kids, little, tell their parents off in public. I'm talking about elementary school kids. Tell their, ki- tell their parents off in public. Scream at their parents. Sh- scream, I hate you at their parents. Carolyn saw a little girl in a tutu uh, throwing a fit for something in the checkout line. And when her mother bent down to tell her she couldn't get it today, that girl hauled off and slapped her mother across the face in a buddy. I wouldn't be allowed. I wouldn't be alive here today (laughs) if that ever happened. And I'm just telling you. Yeah, Mackenzie, you're right. Because one of the things that happens is that um, one of the things that happens, Mackenzie, is that if you try to just be the friend of your child rather than the leader of your child, you lose authority. And that's what many have tried to do. I'm the cool parent. I'm the one that throws the parties. I'm the one that has the alcohol in the house. And as long as they do it here, I don't mind. Just do it under my roof. I'm the one, you know, so there's some parents that are proud that they're the first, they're the ones that rolled the first joint for their kid because I'm trust trying to teach them how to be responsible with drugs. Like seriously, they're proud, they're proud about it. Dumb. Never seen disobedience in children the way I see it today to the point where parents have to put their children on leashes at the mall, at the park, at the amusement park. Children are on leashes like puppies. That would be the day. It'll be a cold, frozen day in hell with the devil sucking popsicles before my children will ever have to have a leash to obey me or their mother. Unbelievable. My father 
could just give me a look, a look. He could be preaching and me acting up in the service and he have to stop the whole service. He could just give me a look, snap me back into obedience. That's right. The stupidity is freely flowing. We are still on that hashtag from yesterday. The stupidity is freely flowing. I'm just telling you. And this disobedient uh, action to parents. You see, here's the deal. If you can't even obey your parents, how are you going to obey the Lord? How will you obey a father you can't see if you don't obey a father you can see? And I realize many don't have a father in the home either. It's a plan of the devil to destroy the family. Look at this, Ephesians. Did you know this is the first commandment in the Bible that carries a promise? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse two, Ephesians six, one and two, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So you want to shorten your life? Disobey your father and your mother. Obviously I'm talking to adults on the broadcast today that are obviously not living under their parents' roof as a kid. And when you become an adult, you have to, you know, use responsibility in your own life, but you have children to teach that very concept that it causes you to have long life, long life, disobedient to their parents. Number eight, ungrateful. Number eight, ungrateful. Put it in the comments. This one's a sad one. Ungrateful. There are people that are, no thanksgiving in their life. No thanksgiving. God's blessed them so much and they've got no thanksgiving and praise. I mean, it's mind blowing. If you just would look around, (laughs) look around at, at, at what, especially if you're in North America, I I can't even understand, you know, I can't even understand. I've seen, you talk about people being spoiled. I've been overseas. I've watched, you know what? One time I wasn't even overseas. I was in uh, New York. I was in, uh, not Harlem, I was in the Bronx. One time I was in the Bronx uh, going through the projects and I, I was on the way to a meeting and there I looked next in the row houses there, they had a dude took one of those, uh, a kid, you know, those plastic, like they have the patterns, but they're like see-through plastic cartons. They're like boxes with no top that you can hold and carry stuff. I saw a dude took one of those. They cut the bottom out of it. They nailed it to the project and they had an old nasty ball. It was, I don't even know if it was. I mean, it was bubbling. It was that thin in places that they were all going around uh, playing basketball. They didn't have a hoop. They didn't have a court. They're sitting there on the side of the projects with a, a plastic cart nailed to the thing. And they're all having a good time playing, playing ball in the middle of the projects. And you've got spoiled kids with rooms full of toys. You've got spoiled adults, houses full of stuff and sitting around ungrateful, unthankful, and complaining about what they don't have. Complaining. Do you know this angered God so much in the Old Testament? 
It was the sin of those that were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't have to wander for 40 years, but they were ungrateful, complaining. <laughs> You've got to look at it. Look at what you have and be, and be grateful, be thankful. Would you look at it? Just look at it. And I, I've never seen it. We're blessed with so much, blessed with so much. And there's people complaining, complaining. My father tells the story that early in his ministry, he went into a, a, a fast food restaurant. I think it, it might've been Burger King or McDonald's, but uh, they had this special going where if you didn't get your food within 60 seconds, you get your food for free. And he said he was in there with the pastor and there was a woman in front of them and she ordered her meal and uh, they had a clock next to the register that once your meal went into the, the order went into the kitchen, the clock started and started counting down from 60. But apparently this woman did not trust their clock and she pulled out of her sweater pocket her own stopwatch. And when they started hers, she started hers. And she's like so excited because she's going to get a free meal at Burger King or, or McDonald's, wherever they were. And it was, it was coming down, counting down. They were in the fi final five seconds or so. And they slid the tray across the counter to the lady and she got her food and she was so angry. She jammed her clock back, her stopwatch back into her sweater pocket, grabbed her food and, and you know, paid and left. And my father was blown away because he had recently come back from India where he'd been working and they'd seen children and parents that had walked for miles to where the mission was to get food to bring back to their families. And he thought, and this is what he said to the pastor, only in America, only in America are people angry because they got their food in less than 60 seconds. Only in America are people angry because they got their food in less than 60 seconds. Ungrateful unthankful. Paul said it would be a sign of the last days. You should take every single day and give God thanks for what he's blessed you with. Give God thanks for what's in your life. Every day you should give him praise and thanks for his goodness and his mercy that's in your life. And so ungrateful. What was that? Number eight, number nine, they're unholy. Well, man, if you can't see that, I don't, I don't know how you don't see it. The, the culture has become more unholy than ever before. When you've got a dude, this is playing on televisions. I had to take, we had to take my kids uh, out of a, uh, a hotel lobby cafe area because they had one of these stations on uh, where the music videos were coming on. And they're sitting there and this is being, this is being played in a public place where you've got Lil Nas X having a sex scene with Satan on his throne uh, in a music video. And this is, this is something that we're putting on television, especially in a public place for everybody to watch and listen to this perverted bastard. This is what he is. Perverted bastard. Showing our kids that. And that's what they have to grow up watching. And that's what they have to see. You know why? Because it's an unholy generation. Do you know, if you go back just to the 50s, you know what they wouldn't even, that's real, Leslie. That's real. 
uh, if you didn't hear, that's the same dude that Nike sued because he put out the uh, he put out the Nike 666 uh, running shoes that you know demonic. But anyway, um, you go back to the 50s. Look at just how it's progressed in 60 years. 60 some what are we in? 70 years. 60 to 70 years. They wouldn't show Elvis from the waist down on television because of the way he was shaking his knees and shaking his hips fully clothed. He's playing his guitar and shaking his legs around and they wouldn't air that on television. It was too filthy to be seen by the masses. I mean, I'm being totally honest with you. Too filthy to be seen by the masses. Elvis shaking his knees while he played the guitar. I'm not joking. If you, you know, those that are older know what I'm talking about. You you know what I mean? People, people know what I'm talking about if you're older, but if you're younger, you don't know that they wouldn't air Elvis on television from the waist down. Yeah. It wasn't even a full twerk. And look at what you're seeing now. Look at the stuff you've got going on. You turn on Netflix and they're putting, they want our children to watch shows about black magic, demonic things happening. They want to fill our children with that. You got the LGBT community every which way promoting their agenda. I mean, if it's not modern day Sodom and Gomorrah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. There's no sorrow for sin. There's no shame for sin. There's no embarrassment for sin. Not in our generation, not in our culture, because Paul prophesied there would be unholy uh, there'd be an unholy culture prevalent in the final days of time. It's what you have today. It's what you have today. Let's move on. Uh, number nine, that's now number 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. There'll be heartless. Let's deal with this. Number 10, heartless. I can't believe it. Blues Clues had a pride parade. Blues Clues. Unbelievable. They're pushing it on our kids. They got shows coming out that are going to have uh, same-sex parents in the show to push it on our children. Everybody should have a, you know, a friend that's got same-sex parents. Number 10 is heartless. No compassion. <laughs> no compassion. People don't give a crap about others as long as they're not affected. That's what we're living in today. Don't care about others as long as I'm not affected by it. No compassion, no heart. There's Christians who live like this and don't even care about the lost. Don't even care about those that are dying and on their way to hell. They're heartless. No compassion, no empathy. They don't care. Bible says, do not team up with people who are like this. No compassion, no empathy, They don't care about others. Paul said, avoid them at all costs. If you've got Christians that live like that, cut them off. Cut them off. That's what Paul's saying. This is the original uh, block. I blocked your account. Paul was blocking people's accounts all the way back in 60-something AD. Blocking people's accounts. He'd just avoid them completely. Then he'd call them out publicly in his letters. They did me much harm. You know, (laughs) he's calling them out. Block that relationship, that personality, heartless, 
no compassion, no empathy, don't care for people, don't care for the plight of mankind, don't care about souls. Don't, if you go to a church that doesn't even give altar calls, they don't even have souls being saved, get out. Go somewhere where they actually care about the lost. That's right, Pastor Mike Childs, Matthew 24, 12, wickedness, hearts of many will grow cold. Heartlessness, they don't care. If people aren't seeing souls saved, if they're not going after, if they're not blessing the poor, well, the poor you'll have with you always. I mean, that, how stupid are people that that's what they quote when it talks about, I've actually heard Christians, you talk about blessing the poor. So, well, you know, Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. Look at the context. Look at the context. The woman was doing something for him in bodily form to, pre to prepare him for his crucifixion, burial, uh, and resurrection. And uh, Judas, who didn't even care about the poor, was saying, well, we could have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. He said it because he wanted to steal the money. And Jesus said, well, the poor you'll always have with you, but you won't always have me. He, was, he wasn't saying don't bless the poor. He was saying that in this moment, I'm still here on the earth with you. You'll have time. To, he was saying, you'll have time to bless the poor. The Bible's full of scriptures that tell us to bless the poor and that God repays us and God blesses us. But if we turn our eyes away from the poor, then God will turn our eyes, his eyes away from us. You've got to bless. You've got to seek the dying and the lost. Don't be, don't be around heartless uh, people that are no compassion, no empathy. Don't be around those people. Care for people. Care for people and take care of people to the best of your ability. Number 11, unappeasable. Unappeasable. Put that in the comments. Number 11, they cannot be appeased. They can never get enough. Never get enough. Always have to have more. You know another way to say this? Unappeasable? Without contentment. They're not content. Got to have more. Got to have more. Got to have more. Got to have more. I'm telling you. And they'll do anything they can to get more. They're not, they're unappeasable. They don't, they don't, they're not content with anything they have. And the way that we've been marketed to, that's what they've created. That's the kind of monster they've created in America and around the world. They've marketed it to you in such a way that you're never happy with what you have. Never happy with what you have. Keeps people enslaved to things. Paul said, the Apostle Paul, I've learned to be content in whatever state I find myself. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. Doesn't mean you don't press for the best God has for you. What it means is that you're not driven by the desire to gain more things. Never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. That's how some people live their life. I'm sure you know that. It's, it's how some people live their life. I, I was mentioning earlier how people will, they'll work seven days a week. They'll work three jobs. They'll skip church. They'll go extra. Why? More stuff. I need more. I need more. Didn't you just get one of those? Yeah, but I need another one. Didn't you just buy one of those? Yeah, but I got I, I need another. This is a better one. And I'm just telling you, become unappeasable. They're not content with what they have. That's right. Always wanting something new. Kill your flesh in prayer. I like that. Kill the flesh in prayer. 
That's right. And the peace of God does overcome the flesh. And Paul said that I find my, I'm content in whatever state I find myself. You know, I go, uh, you know, we, it does, Lenan's exactly right. It does turn quickly into coveting. You start to covet. You start to get jealous. Well, he has this. I need it too. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want what he has. And people start freaking out and living their life in that way. And you've got to become content. Contentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Absolutely. It's absolutely right. Be careful when you're always around people that never have enough, can't get enough. I need more. I've got to be careful. Be careful. Uh, what was that? Number 11. What number were we on? Somebody help me. Let me count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yes. Number 12. We're getting through them. Number 12, slanderous. Slanderous. <laughs> let, let me, well, I won't go back because we don't, we have so much to cover. Slanderous. We're living there. We're living there. People slandering other people. Oh man, we're living there. People slandering other people, talking about people behind their back, always gossiping, always running people down with their mouth. Slander. I mean, this is unbelievable, but we've, we've got people in the body of Christ that are literally (laughs) tearing other people up. Slanderous people, gossiping people, running other people's character through the mud. They don't even know if it's true. Here's the thing. It's something they heard. They don't even know if it's true. You know what I've told people? This is why the Bible says, uh, in the presence of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Two or three witnesses. You're not even supposed to raise an accusation according to scripture against an elder unless you've got two or three witnesses. That's Bible, by the way. It's not just somebody said such and such and it must be true. You better have two or three witnesses. What is a witness? What is a witness? This is my rule. Unless I had the evidence to prove it in court, I don't mess with it. I don't mess with it. Unless I had the evidence to prove it in court (laughs) and others that were there with me and knew two or three witnesses, I don't even mess with it. Did you hear what so-and-so did? No. Do you know that they actually did it? Do you know that they actually did it? Can you prove that they actually did it? Well, no, but so-and-so says they thought they were. Don't talk about it then. Don't mess with it. This is one of the biggest cancers in the body of Christ. People that run their mouths. They run their mouths. And why do you think there's so much division? Because you got stupid people running their mouths. That's why. Slanderous people. Because they, they can't feel better unless they run somebody else down. Pride. It's all three of those. Pride, arrogance, and conceitedness. <laughs> and you've got, I might write a book called Christian Cannibals. Based on that Galatians 5.15, Linan. But if you bite and devour one another in bickering and strife, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I'm thinking about writing a book called Christian Cannibals. Because we've eaten each other up through slander and gossip, talking about other people. I'm going to deal with it. 
I mean, I'm already putting in my notes, Christian cannibals. It needs to be dealt with. One of the biggest cancers in the body of Christ, division brought by people talking about other people, insecurity, pride, all those things needs to be cut out. And Paul said in the last days, you'll have slanderous people that fill the culture, avoid them, avoid them. Because here's the thing. They might even think it's true, but here's the deal. What if it's not? What if it's not? Because if it's not true, and I wrote about this in one of my recent books, I think it's uh, further faster. I wrote all about this in a, in a section dealing with honoring people that are above you, especially spiritual leaders. What if it's not, what if it's something you heard, but you don't have any proof for, and it turns out being not true, then you know what? You've now engaged in bearing false witness against your brother, which is one of the 10 commandments you've just broken. You're living in sin. You're living in sin because now you're lying about people and you're not even sure whether you're lying or not because you don't know the full story. So just stop talking. And that's what happens to people. That's the trick of the devil. Slander is a trick of the devil. That's right. Number 13, the Bible says not only will they be slanderous, but they'll be without self-control. Number 13, without self-control. Without self-control. That's a fruit of the spirit, by the way. And people, if you're without self-control, catch this, then you are not being led by the spirit. You're being led by your flesh. Paul talked about what happens when you're led by your flesh. Every evil work is there. He deals with it in Galatians chapter five. He said, avoid the works of the flesh. And then he lists what they are. And he says, avoid the works of the flesh and walk. But if you'll walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But if you don't have self-control, then your flesh will rule you daily. I promise you on this, rule you daily. And you know what happens? You're destroyed. You're destroyed by it. You're completely, uh, what does the Bible say? A man without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You know what that means? Open to any kind of attack. Open to any kind of attack. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. You're open to any kind of attack. So number 13, they don't have any self-control. How about this? Number 14. I, I don't want to go here, but I'm going to go here just for something to think about. Just for something to think about last days. And I'm not saying this to condemn you. If you're overweight, I'm overweight, but could the, could the rise in obesity since 1980, since 1980 have something or anything to do with a rising lack of self-control? Is that possible? Is it possible that that, uh, unability that, 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 you don't have no ability to be appeased. Could it be possible? that obesity and mortality rates from obesity have anything to do with a lack of self-control? Is that possible? Something we've never had in the history of the world, childhood obesity, childhood obesity. Could it be that it has something to do with a lack of self-control? Go back to 1977 when the first Star Wars movie was 
in the theaters. Look at every child standing in line in the pictures and videos to see the movie. You're not gonna see obese children because that really kicked off in America in 1980, 1980, 1981. And then that skyrocketed, skyrocketed. And here we are 40 years later and metabolic syndrome is the number one thing people are hospitalized for and kids everywhere are morbidly obese, morbidly obese. Could it be that it has something to do with self-control? I say yes. Look at this. What number was that, 13? Yep. Uh, 14. The Bible says they'll be brutal. They'll be brutal. People will be brutal. Has it, has it occurred to you I mean, think about this. Has it occurred to you just in the last however many years? I mean, we know, we know what the last days are like. That people appreciate brutality now more than ever. Have you ever, have you, have you seen that at all? I'll give you a few uh, things to look at in the culture. Have you noticed that a pe- people appreciate brutality than they have, more than they ever have before? What do I mean by that? You know what, you know what uh, more and more movies are including, more and more television shows are including, the things that are really blockbuster people? Graphic violence. People enjoy watching graphic violence. Mackenzie asks, do you think these things are actually increasing or does it only seem like it is because there's more people in the world and we have easier access to information. Um, That could be part of it, Mackenzie. I also think it's increasing. I don't think it has to do with necessarily more people in the world because people uh, who are either unsaved or people that are carnally minded, they're, they're run by a spirit of antichrist. And so as a result, it wouldn't matter if there were two people on the earth, like Adam and Eve, they gave into their flesh and what did it cause sin so the number of people don't matter i don't think i think we hear about it more because of the information part but it's it's the human plate it's what happens when people are not when they're being controlled by sin graphic violence is brutality you're correct and so i think that you look in the last days uh even i mean look remember how big of a deal it was do you remember how big of a deal it was when Mortal Kombat came out as a video game? Raise your hands in the comments if you can remember on the news, even if you didn't play it, you remember on the news when Mortal Kombat came out and everybody freaked out. And it was the thing that caused there to be ratings for video games. And people don't know this, but Mortal Kombat is one of the main reasons that they came up with the ESRB video game ratings because they said, well, kids can't see this. These guys are beating themselves uh, into a pulp and pulling heads off of people with the spine still attached and pulling hearts out of chests and, you know, all, all the, you know, all this stuff. Uh, I mean, it was the reason. Okay. Well, you go back, you can go on YouTube, go back and watch gameplay from the Mortal Kombat that came back then, came out back then in like 1994 or whatever year it came out. You go back and watch that gameplay, okay? Now I want you, once you've watched that, 
Go watch on, on YouTube or whatever, gameplay of Mortal Kombat 11 that just recently came out. I want you to go watch that gameplay compared to Mortal Kombat 1994 that was in arcades and you know for Sega Genesis. You look at the difference. They actually, they used to have something called fatalities. And that, that's how they would, you know, when you'd say finish him. And then that's how they would do their special move at the end and kill the guy. But now, they've added all kinds of things. Brutalities. There's something called brutalities, which is even worse than fatalities. Uh, not only that, but these things, it's not even, they don't even wait. Uh, they don't even wait until the end of the game as they finish him and then do the brutality. Now, in the midst of playing the game, there are special moves you can do in the middle of the fight where you do a move to hit somebody's joint and the camera zooms in in the game while the gameplay is live and does like an x-ray uh, screen of the person's bones in the game and they, they watch as it like shatters the bones of the person you're fighting. Like it's brutal. It's brutal. I mean like it's literally, look at the way we've gone from uh, just wrestling. Now we go into boxing and then uh, now we've got UFC, which, you know, why do people like watching UFC far more than they like watching boxing or anything like that? Why? The brutality of it. It's, it's four ounce gloves, uh, you know, in a ring with kicking, choking, punching, whatever you can do, elbowing in the face. You see what I mean? Well, of course people like to watch that more. It's more brutal. And in our culture, Brutality means better. If it's brutal, it's better. Why were people all bummed when the NFL started making all these rules where you know you couldn't spear people anymore and all this stuff? We want to see the brutality of it. We want to see people get jacked up. Why do you think there's why do you think there's videos that go viral on YouTube of street fights, of people getting knocked out on the street at a bar, at a, a restaurant, at a at a hotel, at a store? Because people want to see brutal stuff. Why? Because brutality has entered the culture. That's what it is. That's what it is. And so you understand brutality is one of those. Let me get through the rest of these quickly. The Bible says, not only will they be brutal, but beyond brutal, it says they will not love what is good. Well, that's obviously we know that. They, they'll love what is evil rather than love what is good. You know how we can see that manifested today? You see people that hate the church. They hate Christ. They hate God. They hate everything it stands for. And they love what the opposite is. They love the opposite and they hate. Do you know, I mean, that was the whole thing. Uh, the uh, Nike had released the, the um, running shoes that were like the... Uh, the walking on water, uh, I think they were the 316 or whatever, whatever numbers they had on the, uh, on the, the shoes. Like if you know what I'm talking about, that's why Lil Nas X wanted to put out the 666, you know, the, the, the demonic version, love what is evil instead of loving what's good. And you know, people wanted to, uh, I'm not going to give it, but you understand what I'm talking about. People hate what's good and they love what's evil. Let me give you the next one. People are treacherous. Number 16, treacherous. What does that mean? Disloyal, unfaithful. They're treacherous. Friends that literally will not be loyal to their friends. 
disloyalty to, to their spiritual leaders, disloyalty on the job. I mean, it's, it's a pandemic all over the world, treacherous. You got friends this quick. You talk, you talk about gossip you, that quick. You've got friends that will talk about each other behind each other's back that will mock each other when they're not. Li- I mean, disloyalty is at an all time high. Do you know how hard it is for people to find there? This is sad. There are churches now that have to have, and I'm not saying the churches are wrong. They've got to do it because of what people are like. There are churches that have to actually have people sign a non-compete agreement so that if you come on staff at our church, you're not going to leave in a year after you've made relationships with all of our people and go a mile down the road and start your own church and split our church up, which is wrong. And it's not no integrity in that. And so now churches have had to get staff members to sign non-competing agreements and all these other things. Why? Because people are disloyal. People are disloyal. And, and it's, it's a sign of the last days. I appreciate with all my heart, with all my heart, when I see people that are loyal to those that are around them, I, pr- I really appreciate that. I look at people that have abilities and, you know, I look at like, uh, for example, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and he's great at raising people up and sending them out to do the work of the ministry. But then I look at somebody like uh, Brother Eric Ganyan, who is Dr. Rodney's right-hand man. And I think to myself, now, this is amazing, because how many years has Brother Eric been with Dr. Rodney and set up the crusades and helped him and done the, all the different things that need to be done? And he has remained faithful and remained loyal to Dr. Rodney. I watched my father be like that with uh, uh, Brother Shambach, and I watched Brother Shambach was like that with Brother Allen. You look at these people that have just been faithful and loyal to do, and not just using people as a stepping stone. You know, using people as a stepping stone. Disloyalty. You see what I mean? And, and, and it's, Paul said, treachery, disloyalty would be a sign of the last days. That was 16. Uh, let me give you 17, reckless, reckless people, not careful. They take, I mean, I don't even think I have to talk about this one. See it everywhere you look. People treat the, they live their life in a reckless way. There's people living their life in a reckless way. They have sex with anybody they meet. Unper- you know, it's made, made me laugh. Somebody sent me a meme. They were like, you eat fat. It's like yelling at somebody. They're like, you eat fast food seven times a week. You have unprotected sex with everybody you meet, but you say uh, that you don't, that you want to take the, you want to take the vaccine because you're, you care about your health. <laughs> unprotected sex with everyone you meet. You eat fast food seven times a week and you want to take the vaccine because you care about your health. People live their life in a reckless way. They're living in a reckless way reckless way. It's all over our, our, our generation. It's not just that. I watch people. I'm, I live down here in Florida. I-95. You see dudes on crotch rockets doing like 160 miles an hour. And, and, and like doing, you'll, you'll see people riding down I-95 doing wheelies and stuff. 
I thought to myself the other day, I was watching a dude what, ride a motorcycle with no helmet on, no nothing that would even protect it. It was like a tank top and shorts, flip-flops, no helmet. I thought, oh, you don't even have to be bad at driving a motorcycle. But all it takes is one idiot to hit you, hit you or, or whatever. You're done. You're done. And, you know, I... I People are living recklessly. They live their lives recklessly. It's cool to see as long as it goes well, Robert. <laughs> if it doesn't go well, it's a disaster. People are done. And people are living in a reckless way. You're smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. People are getting drunk every weekend. Reckless. Reckless lives. We covered conceited. That was the next one. Um, look at this. Lovers. This is number 18. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I'll give you these last two and then we're going to pray. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. You ever wonder what's up when people would rather go to the lake on Sunday rather than go to church? People go on vacation and they have no thought for God. I've actually heard people say that they need a break from church and they need a break from God. Really? Christians, I need a break from church. I need a break from God. Really? Really? And so these people, I got to go on vacation. <laughs> they don't even go to church on vacation. Well, we're on vacation. Oh, really? You're taking a vacation from your Lord and Savior? I mean, I don't, I'm in church almost every night of my life. And if I go on vacation, we still find a church on Sunday to attend. Still find one. I go to church. I serve the Lord. And there's people that love pleasure rather than loving God. And you see that. It's a sign of the end times. Let me give you the final one, 19. They have a form of godliness or have the appearance of godliness, but they deny his power. A form of godliness, pure religion, but they deny the power of God. A form of godliness but they deny his power. It's demonic. Paul said, avoid these kinds of people. Avoid these kinds of people. It's crazy. And we're seeing that even in the church today. They don't want the Holy Ghost at work in many churches. They don't want speaking in tongues. They don't want the gifts of the spirit. They won't lay hands on people. They won't give an altar call. They've got a form of godliness. They deny God's power turn away from such people. I have no desire to link up with people who have a form of godliness and they deny the power of God. No desire whatsoever. No desire. I don't want friendships like that. I don't want people who don't care about the move of the Holy Ghost, that don't care about the manifestations of God's power. I don't want people like that. I want people that care about the Holy Ghost, that care about God's power. That's what I want. And so I gave you these 19, it's Bible prophecy. And we're, and as you've seen, I've broken it down for you, all of them. That's right. Olga said, why does it, why are there churches that take people to another room to lay hands on them? They're embarrassed. And there's some that won't even do that. They're embarrassed. We don't want it. I want relationships like that. I want Holy ghost people in my life. Holy ghost people in my life. Thank you, Fernando. And so I'm just telling you today, this is Bible prophecy. Paul said it would happen. We're not coming to the last days. We're in the last days. 
and all 19 of these can clearly be seen in the culture. You've got to cut these relationships out of your life and don't let them become part of you, part of, part of your personality, part of, part of your life. It's destructive. I'm going to pray because I don't think people understand how important it is to guard yourself from these destructive things. We just like, we just, I want more friends. It's like people are, they're just looking for friends. I want more friends. You don't just want more friends. You want the right people in your life. You want the right people in your life. And so I'm praying number one, that God gives us a strong distaste for all of these things, all these 19 things, a strong distaste, a hatred for it. And then we, a love for those things that are holy and a hunger to see God move in our own lives and in our churches and our families. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those that are watching today. I pray you do just what we said. Put a strong distaste. Let us be sick of seeing it and hearing it. These things that are displeasing to you that Paul wrote about, Lord, give us a strong distaste that will keep us far away from any one of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Give us a hunger and a love for what's pleasing to you in Jesus' mighty name. A hunger and a love for what's pleasing to you. Use us for your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you and give you praise that you have put your spirit on the inside of us. And let this be the greatest six months of a, a year we've ever seen from July to December. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you that we'll see more fruit produced, more things take place. We'll build your kingdom. We give you thanks and praise for it. We're running in 2021 in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let me encourage you before we do anything else to take a minute to sow a seed today. If you've not done so, giving you the opportunity, the Lord's speaking to you, do what the Lord is asking you to do. Uh, more than that, we encourage you to partner with us on a monthly basis. What is it that you could do monthly to stand with us? Go to miracleword.com, click on the partner page, do what the Lord tells you to do. Stand with us on a, a monthly basis as we're reaching people with the power of God. We're now on television in over 180 nations and we're getting ready to expand to 39 million more people uh, in just the uh, upcoming months here within really the next few weeks. Uh, and we're using our resources wisely to touch the most amount of people that we can. And of course, the reason you sow is because yes, the Bible tells you to, but you are blessed. God has a desire to bless you and cause you to overflow. And so I want to encourage you today to not only sow a seed, but would you consider partnering with this ministry on a monthly basis and watch what God will do for you? We've got so many stories of increase that we've seen take place through partnership. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And so if you'd like to stand with us as the Lord's directing, you go to miracleword.com, click that partner page and sign up and stand with us today. It's going to be the best year. It's already been the best year we've ever seen, but we're going to a whole nother level in the last six months. It's going to be next level. Get ready for it. Cause I'm saying whatever's happening for us is going to be happening for you in Jesus name. And so I'm ready to see it. Here's what we're doing. We're going to send you brother Hagen's book, uh, financial key, or excuse me, biblical keys to financial prosperity for those that are standing in partnership of at least $85 or more. And, uh, we'll send it to you, but we need to know where to send it. And so go to that website, miracleword.com, 
forward slash offer, fill it out. Uh, you also have the choice of a book by PC Nelson and, and it's called Bible Doctrines. It's really, really great. Shows you all of the things in scriptures, why we believe what we believe doctrinally. It'll help you a lot. And then uh, we have something that just came out that's called the Elite Study Collection. It was something we created to say thank you to people that are sewing $5,000 or more into this ministry. And uh, this is a custom box we created with uh, what I believe to be the best study materials you can have for the Word of God. Uh, will very, very much help you. And um, got a note from us to you in there to say thank you for standing with us to push this gospel forward. And uh, if you're sewing $1,000 or more, I'm going to send you the, uh, the Life Application Study Bible, genuine leather. I'll sign it to you to say thanks. Appreciate you standing with us. Don't forget today, brand new kids content on MiracleWordKids.com and in the free app. And uh, you can go to MiracleWordKids to get it, subscribe, but also download the free app and get all that content. And uh, it'll bless you. This is a three-part series on giving that me and Maddie did together. And um, it will help your children understand the difference between tithing, giving, and blessing the poor. Bonnie said, am I on your text? I can't find it. Uh, if you signed up, Bonnie, then you are. You'll, you'll get texts from me. I'll check today. If not, go to miracleword.com forward slash text and uh, sign up and fill the form out. And I will, uh, or Jenna can help you do it, Bonnie. And we'll get you on there so that you get texts from us. Uh, thanks very much, Ninja. Appreciate that very much. Today at 2 p.m., just two hours from now, Carolyn's jumping on for her broadcast uh, today and on Friday as well. Don't miss it. Starts at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's going to be great. It always is. YouTube and Facebook Live and uh, right here, just a couple of hours. I love Carolyn. She's doing so, so amazing. She's teaching. She's preaching. She's teaching our kids. She's doing the admin. She's behind the scenes. She's doing it all. She's doing it all and she's doing it well. As LL Cool J once said, she's doing it and doing it and doing it well. Um, <laughs> don't watch the music video. But I love you guys. Thank you for hanging today. Thanks for spending time with me. Hope you took notes. Thanks for those that are listening to the podcast. If you haven't taken a minute to share the podcast on your social media, please do so. It helps us get the word out. And those of you that are uh, watching live or on the replay, if you didn't even know we have a podcast, we do. It's, avi it's available on all podcast platforms. Um, all you got to do is search my name, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., and uh, you can find the podcast uh, on all the major platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, all of it. And so uh, subscribe to the podcast and share it on social. Share it with somebody. Uh, next week starts the tent meeting in Raleigh, North Carolina. Starts on Sunday, goes through Friday. Uh, it's going to be a great, great meeting. Love to see you guys at some of these upcoming meetings you see on the screen. Love to see the Victory Tribe live. And by the way, a new magazine is getting ready to drop. And so, if you'd like to get it and you're not yet subscribed to our magazine, go to miracleword.com. You'll see the magazine at the top of the homepage and you can click that link. It'll take you to a sign-up form. We'll get this to you every time it comes out. It comes out quarterly. If you're overseas, we will get you a digital copy sent directly to your inbox. Uh, we love you so much. Thanks for hanging today. I love you. Join Carolyn at 2 o'clock. 
and I will see you again tomorrow. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.